Welcome to my basement, everybody. I've got a great guest on the show today, somebody you probably wouldn't have predicted. Jay Baruchel joins me, and he is talking about random acts of violence, which I just watched. And uh, Jay, where do I send my therapy bills to? Send them right to me, buddy. Send them right to me. Send them right to this basement <laughs> on the other side of the country. Um, so I guess it got to you then. Is that what you're saying? Wow, dude. Yeah, I uh, yes. Well, it's 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 in the title, so you know it's it, we're going to be seeing some random acts. And uh, wh what drew you to this? Because I know that this has been a project. You started this like in 2010, 2011? Yeah, about that. Yeah, um, quite quite some time, uh, <laughs> quite a while ago. Um, straight up, uh, first time was just the chance to. Um, yeah, to get to make something scary and to get to do it in a way that others hadn't done, you know, to, to talk about, to find something scary in s stuff that people hadn't sort of really messed around with yet. Um, what I mean is like, you know, there's a lot of scary houses in movies, a lot of scary space stations and a lot of scary abandoned schools, you know, but I haven't seen a lot of scary shit about the artistic process um and i have and and the create or or artistic responsibility and i thought that that was kind of seemed to me to be kind of fertile stuff to mine a, to mine a scary story from now it's about a comic book writer uh and it's from a comic book from uh, jimmy palmiotti and i'm wondering if that is uh, a world that you're familiar with are you a big fan of comic books and have you been I am looking i've done a really good job of of um, highlighting the the important moments in my childhood creatively. Um, I think about my parents showing me Monty Python and the Holy Grail. I think about my parents showing me Road Warrior. And I also think about my dad sitting me down and explaining to me why Superman is his guy and why Shazam is his other guy. And then him buying me the trade paperback of Death of Superman when I was in grade five or six, whatever it was, um, and sitting there and, read, and the, the thing is called Death of Superman, and I'd already known by a month at that point that he died. That's all any kids were talking about in the schoolyard. Yeah. And yet, and yet, with every issue that I finished in that thing, I was like, maybe it ends differently. Maybe I heard it wrong. Maybe there's a way he makes it through. He's got. It's got to be a way he makes it through. So, um, and and also, you know, so. I came by, I came through um, Superman and Batman via my father, and then I found Punisher on my own. Um, right. when, when I was a kid in uh, Oshawa, Ontario, there was this uh, used kind of bookstore. We called it GNU Books, because it was G-N-U, but it's really new, clearly a play on words. Anyway, I, I, um, I would go there and I'd buy a Punisher War Journal pretty much every week if I had enough change. The, was a, you know, if I, the goal was enough change to buy a comic book, a freezy, and maybe a round or two of Spy Hunter and Pizza Pizza. Um, but uh, so, and, and, and a few years ago, for a period, I was part owner of a comic book company in Toronto called Chapter House. And I've gotten to write a few comics too. I've written, well, when you are part owner of a company, it makes it far easier to write shit for it. But I also got yeah. to write some stuff for DC and Marvel as well. And um, yeah, so I, it's it's one of my great loves. That's awesome. And But uh, clearly you, have you been actively avoiding partaking in the Marvel universe or the DC universe to try to find your own direction or... Did you do this so that maybe you pop up in an MCU movie or something like that? 
Oh, geez. No, um, th this is just, um, I, we didn't make this movie because there's a lot of popular comic book movies. We, we, this is gonna be a very hokey answer. We made this movie because there was a really good story in, 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 a, in, the, in the subject matter, in the source material, yeah. you know, and, and so, and, and, you know, who knows what happens, um, but I, I, it is cool to kind of get to remind people that not every comic book is about a superhero. So sometimes it's about uh, like 20 something artists and, and stuff, you know, so, um, but I would, uh, yeah, I cut off all of my limbs to make a Punisher movie. So talk to me about the, um, I don't know if it's a message, but certainly it's uh, it's interwoven into the story, this idea of the responsibility of an artist and even the sparks that fly between your, your you know, Jordana Brewster and uh, Jesse Williams because of Todd, the character that Jesse plays, uh, obsession with telling this story and kind of honoring this, this crazy killer. Um, is is that something that you kind of recognize and maybe some of the content that you consume and and our predisposition to look at the dark stuff in all of our media these days oh correct that that's exactly it i'm kind of meditating on the questions i ask myself about my own kind of yeah viewing habits and reading habits um yeah. i i come by true crime pretty honestly and that like my mother would read max haynes column in the sun every weekend you know and and this is always you know my, my mom loved a great murder mystery and and i was a kid in oshawa um when paul bernardo and, and carla homolka were uh, were wreaking havoc in that whole area and it's like a pretty fundamental part of my childhood um that whole era and but I, I I have, as I've gotten older, have tried to sort of wonder and ask myself, um, what is the experience? Like, why do I read this stuff? Am I reading it because of I am so consumed with empathy for everyone killed? I wish that were the case, but I am I am connected to it because it's fucking crazy. And yeah. and 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 therein, and that's not wrong in itself. Um, but it definitely has a slippery slope to it um, yeah. because I, I think that there is, let's say, I'll, I'll, I don't know how I can say it any better than this. If I, if a relative of mine was murdered and their murder was featured on something called My Favorite Murder, I would probably be deeply offended. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, there, there, there's a sort of solemnity that I think is kind of required with dealing with this stuff. And when you take that away, um, it ends up being at, at the very least uh, irresponsible, at the very least tasteless and at, at yeah. worst irresponsible, I think. Do you think that we're, um, it's such a crazy damn time right now to, you know, think about consuming anything and that, you know, the choices yeah. that we make, but do you think that this is, uh, an interesting time where we're faced every day with the fragility of humans. Um, and I think that there is this dystopia that we're living through. And do you, do you think that we're like, this is the perfect time to launch something or release something like the last of us Two just kind of had to face that on PlayStation four, right? Like post pandemic yeah. game. Um, but 
Yeah, yeah I guess it does. It, like you, you are obviously building a movie that has some deeper meaning than just our lurid fascination with with the killer. You're trying to Ho hopefully. think about the ramifications. Yeah, I, ideally, I, I and, but I also don't want to be didactic, and right. it's I'm not. It's not my job to to tell people. I don't like to be super heavy-handed, you know. Now, there is some clear morality in the movie. The movie thinks some sure. things are right and some things are wrong. But I also think the movie, more than anything, kind of traffics in 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 a in a dialectic that doesn't necessarily have an easy answer. Um, and why should it? Because it's made by people, and all of yeah. us are made up of contradictions. So right. even if I feel what I feel about all the stuff that I just said. I'm still listening to podcasts about missing persons and shit. And I'm still like, I, you know, I just try to trigger in myself at the base, the same process that I have at the bloody grocery store, which is we all look at the back of the bag of chips and see what the ingredients are, don't we? And even if I still decide to put junk in, I want to know the junk I'm putting in, right? And I, <laughs> and I don't know that we all do that with records and cinema and TV as much as we should. Um, I, I, you know, and, and so that, that's more what it's about is, is, is audiences asking themselves, like, what is your experience as a viewer in a, in a Nightmare on Elm Street movie where you, the only person you can name is likely Freddy. And, and if Freddy's the only person you can name, can you honestly tell me anyone else is a protagonist? Like Heather is the only one I can name, right? And, and, and yet I can name Freddie and I can name Jason and I can name Michael Myers. And I would argue right. that that makes them the protagonists of those films, which then the follow up would be, what is that as a viewer? What is that experience as a viewer? That's vicarious sadism. Is North or South the vicarious sadism? And fine, that might be a thing and that might be absolutely fine, but you should at least know that that air we should yeah. at least understand that that's the thing you're putting inside you like that that it just it's about um and then questioning if that's the if that's correct yourself ask yourself if that's what you want right and 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 also even if you don't even if you're not interested in any of these questions and or and don't share any of these concerns more to a point a horror movie's only goal the only thing it needs to do if it fails at absolutely everything else if it looks like shit and sounds like shit the only thing it needs to be is scary really yeah and yeah. and so few are actually scary you know when 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 crazy outlandish gore happens like to the point that it's almost monty python gore where you're like holy fuck like you're feeling all sorts <laughs> Parts of shit, but fear is not one of them, is it? It can't right, be. Right. It's not fear. Yeah. That's like crazy, ridiculous shock. It's not fear. So I really just wanted to think about what is actually scary. And let me, I think people fucking ticking time bombs out there, that shit's really scary. Looking at yourself and being on and being disturbed by what you find in there, that's actually scary. So what what are you looking at now as um, you know this uh, this creative force in uh, in in movie making now? You can direct and produce and write and craft your own things. Uh, you know you've you've been in front of the camera. You've done some amazing voice work. What's what's firing you up now? Are you starting to look at uh, 
you know, what, what project you're going to commit yourself to already? Oh, so yeah. Um, well, thank you um, for saying that. Uh, um, you know, it, it's like this, it's like, it, it's a freelance job. And so unless there's, unless the resources are in a bank account, I can't ever put all my eggs in one basket. And so it's about sort of building a bunch of things at once and they are to varying degrees of development and maturation. And then, and then hopefully one of them gets enough steam that it becomes something. So like random acts, we were working on long before we knew there would be a sequel to goon and we made goon two, and we put some Easter eggs in it <laughs> with the knowledge that random acts of violence might never happen. And then no hard no foul. But if it does happen, for any nerd that gives a shit, this might be a funny little connective tissue. So technically, random acts of violence in the goon films take place in the same shared universe. That's <laughs> but, awesome. But that's another thing. For, <laughs> that's another thing for another time. Um, so I have a lot of kind of things in varying degrees. Like, um, but Jesse and I and this uh, writer called Daniel Dansereau, we we have had for now four years or so. Uh, TV project in development with uh, CBC and, and Radio-Canada that would kind of be one of the, if not the first TV show that was sincerely bilingual. Um, and it's a, it's a basically one hour long uh, cop drama that takes place in Montreal between 1970 and 1976. Um, yeah. When Montreal was the bank robbery capital of the world, in 1970 you have martial law, in 1976 you have the Olympics. Um, and uh, and this is an era in Montreal that my our both our parents sets of parents always waxed romantic about, and both our parents showed us Steve McQueen and Roy Scheider movies, and so it was our chance to kind of do that. Um, and there's we we sold a documentary uh, pitch um, uh, about the true story of the Great Escape, about how all uh, every character in that movie in reality was either a Canadian or an Englishman, mostly Canadian. Um, right. There were only two Americans in the entire camp. And both of them were flying for the RCAF. Um, so right. Ted Barris, really great writer, wrote a book about it. And so we are working with him on making that into a documentary for the CBC. Um, and then, and then my kind of, then there's my two sort of baby passion projects, which is my version of my telling of the Robin Hood story. And then there's this um, Spitfire pilot, uh, Canada's most. Uh, lethal spitfire pilot in world war ii it was a guy called george burling it was a guy from montreal and um the whole thing is billy bishop we all know him he has an airport named after him and no one knows who george burling is and there's a reason why but anyway so there's a, <laughs> there's a bunch of shit going on and then I've got a few acting deals and all that stuff that's that's so fantastic man do you find it uh, easier to pitch a, a canadian um conception or a Canadian story or it'd be, I feel like there's so much stuff that has happened in our country that uh, has just not been put on screen for various reasons but I'm wondering if the international kind of community you know maybe because of companies like Netflix and stuff like that there's more appetite for it and they want to dive deeper in it yeah because we we have we have been um, particularly in English in, in in English Canada we we have been um, pretty bad i think at um at lionizing or at least uh um drawing attention to events that um and people that in any other country would be 
part of the the patrimony. Um, and I think there's a bunch right. of reasons. The, the biggest one is um, we, we inherited that British strain of, of, of shame, which I think is a good thing, but that mm -hmm. coupled with our proximity to the States and our paralyzing fear of ever being doing anything that's remotely American um, has made us bury a lot of it. And yeah. stuff like the true story of the great escape is relegated to anecdotes told by granddads and uncles right. and stuff like that, right. you know? And I come, my mom's family is predominantly military. So I grew up knowing this stuff, assuming every, that it was as important to everyone as it is to me. Um, but you're right about the international thing because this is the thing, um, the, the last word any Canadians would use to describe Canada is exotic. Um, but that's the last word anybody would describe about the place they fucking live in. <laughs> right. That's yes. the inherent, <laughs> how, what's what makes something exotic, right? So when I started telling, so first I was just trying to wage the battle of things can take place here. No American is going to throw their fucking remote at the wall when they see that Doug lives in Nova Scotia, <laughs> that Doug pays for a drink with Canadian money. You're not going to see a Scotia plate and be like, fuck this, I'm never watching this again. No, it's not. There's no such thing as prohibitively Canadian. Well, the extension of that is beyond that, I'll go you one further. There's interesting shit here that people yeah. outside of here might find interesting, right? Yeah. And, and the idea is like this. So we get to show people crazy, interesting, colorful, weird, diverse, inconvenient places that the world has shown us for years, we are just now, you're right, it's the rest of the world seeing us has allowed a lot of people here to see see themselves through, see ourselves through their eyes, um, which is important because for a hundred plus years, we have seen each other, we have seen ourselves not even through our eyes, we've seen ourselves through American eyes. You know, 100%. the sort of yeah. trope, the trope of how we view ourselves of the like, soft-spoken, humble, fucking agrarian, mountie and fur trapper, which is, they were there, but that's yeah. all an invention of American cinema. There's a really yeah. awesome thing, a, a great documentary called, Has Anybody Here Seen Canada? And it's all about Canada portrayed in Hollywood cinema from the 30s onwards. And and it, and it Canada to them was exotic and, and it fulfilled a, a niche. And there used to be Westerns and Northwesterns. And that was our thing, and that was movies that took place here. Except for we had nothing to do with any of them. And the movie takes its title from something heard on a set of one of these movies. So anybody here seen Canada? Does this look like fucking Canada? So they just made up what they assumed we were. But then we did the ultimate sin. We adopted it for ourselves. Right. And it's yeah. like it it it's it was free marketing. speaks volumes. Ah, yeah, dude, and I, I feel I, I feel I, like we're, we're such a big country and we're so spread out, but we have many, many, many awesome stories to tell. And I know, and we can count on you being the guy that's out there digging them up and telling them. And uh, super, super proud of that and super proud of you. Uh, I hope one day we actually get to meet face-to-face -face and in person. But uh, I know, it's it's been entirely digital. But I even went and shot like a thing for you. I did, I did like a I whole know. skit. <laughs> like, I, and it's true we've never met in person well yeah one day i look forward to it yes either here or montreal or toronto or la we'll do it uh that was jay baruchel on vix basement thank you so much jay and thank you all for watching we'll be back with some new content soon and until then play forever